Hello and welcome to the Rutler Report podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. My name's Rich Spate and I'm joined down the line this evening by Mark Isles, um, the chief football writer with the Bolton News and the host of the Buff podcast. And we're going to be previewing the upcoming game at the Stadium of Light on Saturday between um, Sunderland AFC and Bolton Wanderers. So how are you this evening, Mark? Absolutely fantastic. All the Great. best for speaking to you. I have to say I had to listen to your podcast earlier. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. It's, uh, yeah. it's 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 very different from most of the uh, the podcasts that I listen to from from other football clubs. So uh, well done with that. It's it's a really good listen. Yeah, we try and have a laugh. I mean, if you can't have a laugh at Bolton Wanderers right now, when compared to the the last few years, then why, when can we have a laugh? Let's be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's that's where I want to start. Really, it seems uh, from the tone of your podcast, from some of the articles I've read that you've written. That uh, mm. things are on the up, really, and and life back in League One for for Bolton and Bolton fans is is looking looking pretty good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was kind of half the reason for doing the podcast is that we found ourselves in a place where it was it had been doom and gloom for two three years solid, and mm. suddenly we found ourselves in this place where suddenly it was it was better to be covering the club. It was better to be talking about the club. We had all these kind of positive things that were going on, and yes, we kind of dropped into to League Two at the time. But uh, there was a, a sense with the new ownership of the club that things were just on the up. And, you know, there were good people in charge at the club again. And, and the manager had this kind of fresh, uh, you know, modern outlook on football. And, and whilst there was so much, you know, shite going on all over all over the world yeah. and we were all... We were all locked down. It was it was horrible. Actually, you know, there was this thing to cling on to, and, and Bolton Wanderers were were playing good football and winning games again. And I mean, that's that's one thing I wanted to touch on all the way through um, this recording. Really, is um, there's I think there's some real clear parallels between what's been going on at Bolton over the last couple of years and what's been going on over at Sunderland over the last kind of nine months or so since mm. we've been since we've been taken over. In that there's this um, complete kind of turnaround. You're now playing a different brand of football, not your kind of tr- traditional Bolton Wanderers direct play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you, yeah. the club's probably very famous for from probably from back in the early 2000s, more than anything. But also under <laughs> under Phil Parkinson, dare we mention his name? You've got uh, Ian Everett in charge, former Barrow manager, and and he seems to play a really good brand of football. Exciting. Yeah, I mean it's chalk and cheese. I mean, I, I I I won't have a word said against Parky. By the way, I'll I'll defend him to the hilt <laughs> as far as uh, Bolton Wanderers are concerned. But there is no question that the football was dire and it was hard to watch at times. Mm-hmm. There's no, I'm not I'm not going to disagree with you one si- single uh, syllable there. But um, no, I mean you're right. And Bolton, you know, have had a direct uh, game in in the past, and this is is it's so such a departure from what we have had. It is it's very much. Um, uh, Manchester City esque, uh, they, they get quite a lot of comparisons drawn. Um, a lot of them by Ian Ever, I might add, but a lot of the a lot of comparisons drawn with City and this kind of open, expansive possession play. Um, and it's great to watch. It really is. It's it's suddenly a joy to watch Bolt Wanderers again. And it was great when fans finally came back and started seeing the same thing that I'd been seeing for twelve months prior. You know, sat me Todd in a press box. 
um, suddenly people are, are actually enjoying going to the game again. And, and even, dare I say it, even if they're not winning games, at least they're being entertained. And, and that is a big thing, I think. And the crowds are coming back and the, you know, these stay away fans that have maybe had a, a few years of saying, swearing off the club and finding something different to do, are suddenly thinking, oh, you know, I might go down and watch the game because I know I'm going to enjoy it. So there was a, a bit of a deal on at the weekend, wasn't there? Was it a ten, tenner to get in for adults and, and yeah. a bit less for kids? And did that, did that bring people through the doors? Oh, yeah, I think they got uh, just over 20,000, nearly 21,000, which is, is very good. I think it was something like the, the seventh or eighth best crowd they'd had at this level of football, which they've not really played below the top two divisions very yeah. often, you know, if truth be told. But, um, yeah, it was it was very reasonable. Of course, you know, Sod's Law would, would state that they got beat. So, you know, <laughs> if, they were, if there were new fans coming through the door, then, uh, you know, maybe a couple of them thought, no, we'll sod this for a game of soldiers. We'll go shopping at Middlebrook instead. But, um no, it was it's it was uh, it was a good day, and and they, honestly, there is a, a better vibe, and you you'll be feeling it, Sunderland too. I'm sure that when you get this kind of new ownership, and suddenly, you know, there just seems the sky's the limit. You know, it feels like there's a there's a momentum there, and uh, suddenly you can you can forgive the sins of the past because you know, in fairness, you know, Sunderland have probably looked like a you know, a bad championship team trying to play League One football for a few years now. Now all of a sudden they look like a very good League One team full of full of players that might just get you through that door. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a really good assessment actually, and it's a really good way of looking at it. Um, a bad championship team playing yeah playing yeah. League One football now 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 we you know we we're quite confident that um, you know if we get through in the League Cup, well, recording just before the match starts, that mm. you know if we get drawn against a, a championship club or even a Bottom half of the Premier League club would give them a would give them a hell of a game. The style of football we're playing right now, mm. and it sounds a little bit like Bolton would would do something similar. Um, I was interested to get your take on the kind of the incomings and outgoings over the summer because obviously there's been a, a a lot of change. But you've also got some of the players who who you had last season as well. So who would you say are like the main kind of marquee uh, signings that were made? Um, you know, before the end of August. I mean, what the the thing Bolton have done is carried through the promotion winning squad. That is the majority of the team right now. So they they did make a, a few signings. What you know, Josh Sheehan's probably the one that catch the eyes. A, a Wales international mm-hmm. played at Newport for a good few seasons um, and got League Two team there, all that sort of stuff. But he's a classy player, a very very classy player, great to watch, and he he knits in quite well in 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 Everts midfield. Got, you know, a ball winner in, in MJ Williams backing him up. Sarsevich, who's a kind of box-to-box, more sort of bustling, Kevin Nolan-esque type. Um, and then you've got the ball winner, sorry, you've got the ball player um, in, in Sheehan. And and in, in the last few years, probably the last decade, you know, creative midfielders have not had a space at Bolton. Um, you know, to bring in Mr Parkinson again, he, he signed Aaron Ostumer at one stage at Bolton who was a lovely little ball player, number 10. And we all looked like, where's he going to go? And sure enough, he never got a game, never got a kick under Parkinson because there's just no sort of room for it. Um, and I'd imagine Mr. McGeady's probably, you know, in the same sort of boat at your end. That, you know, he's in, basically in prison under Parky and yep. and suddenly he gets let out and and lo and behold, there was a decent player in there all along. So, um, yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it? It's just uh, horses for courses for, for some managers. Um, but yeah, I, Sheehan's, Sheehan's probably the, the man. They, they signed Dapo Afalayan on, a, on a, a free transfer from West Ham on a three-year deal. They'd had him on loan last season. Um, 
and Dapo's been on fire, to be honest. He's, he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, got loads of skill, loads of pace. Suddenly found goals from out of nowhere as well. So I think a lot of people are, are looking at him. And probably Declan John as well. Just, um, he will have, you know, Sunderland fans didn't get to see a, a sausage of him when he was there. Who knows? Um, Who is he? I can tell you, he's quite a good player. I can tell you he's quite well, a good player. The, the, there, was a, there was an urban myth going around Sunderland fans <laughs> that it literally didn't exist. We signed yeah. him and we didn't see sight and the sound of him. And then he was let go. But uh, if he's turned up again, I saw he's, he's made four appearances so far. Is, it, so is he doing all right? He's had a, he's had a couple of injury issues, in all fairness. Um, he, he had... Uh, uh, illness over the over the summer as well, so he's he's been kind of finding his way back. But I'm told he's back in training. He's got a good chance of playing on Saturday against Sunderland. So you may well finally get to see the lesser spotted Declan John. Who knows? I can just see he's going to be one that comes comes back to haunt us. I can <laughs> see it. I can see it now. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to go back a little bit because I w- I was at two games against Bolton Wanderers, two games that probably represent two of the kind of low points in Sunderland's um, journey. Mm. But I think we're actually quite important in Bolton's journey as well. There was the game uh, down at your place, um, the beginning of the season that was a COVID-affected, the first COVID-affected season. Was that 2019? Um, Right. Where user you, you know, you had your points deduction. You were, it was clear you weren't going to get out of that situation, but you'd managed to pull the squad together for the first time that season. You were start stop playing the kids, and you you had some some professionals, some yes. professionals uh, in the lineup, <laughs> and we came down expecting a a five nil victory like everyone else had had, and uh, it was one <laughs> one, and that in some senses was almost the start of the the end for Jack Ross, right? Um, yeah. And resulted in Parky uh, coming in. A few months later, we had a Boxing Day game at the Stadium of Light, which I remember that one well. Yeah, yeah, was the catalyst for well the 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 whole kind of Stuart Donald out campaign that we were involved in as Rope Report and and across the whole fan base, which has eventually resulted in us getting new owners. So there's there's kind of some parallels and symmetries there. I think are really interesting, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about kind of. Obviously, you were you'd just been rescued at the point of that mm. first game, and I don't think Sunderland fans in general, and 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 even I, and I pay a little bit of attention to kind of what's going on around the kind of finances of the game, know who your owners are and where they came from and where the money's from and how they're doing. So I just want your perspective on that, really. Yeah, yeah. So the first game, and he's going to consult the. Yeah, it's, it was September. So the the. The Sunderland game would have been about three weeks after the takeover. And as you say, Keith Hill had signed nine players in 48 hours uh, before the deadline. So that that team that played there was a very, very new team. That, I think, was the first point that they got under Keith Hill. And if I'm, was it McGeady re- really late on? I think it was a penalty. I think. Yeah, yeah, we were looking to get out of that with a point. So, yeah, I, they were kind of riding on the... The, the honeymoon period, it didn't last for long, believe me. Um, but the, the owners had come in, Bolton had, had been 24 hours away from liquidation. It, it very nearly just hit the wall like Berry did. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the consortium uh, called Football Ventures had been in the, the kind of perimeter for a good several months before that, trying to sign it. They tried to buy the club solvent before it went into administration. It all broke down about the Easter time. And then when the administration period came in they were battling away trying to get it done 
Um, Sharon Britton's kind of front and centre. She's uh, a London-based businesswoman and has, you know, financial backers behind that. Michael James, who's a local guy um, who's, who's been heavily involved in the club beforehand, he was in there. Um, strangely enough, also one of the investors is Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, um, the drummer from Pink Floyd. So there's uh, there's a few interesting names in there, but a lot of them stay in the background. Uh, Sharon's very much front and centre. Um, and I remember Phil Parkinson saying to me, uh, he was just on the verge of resigning at Bolton because I think he just had enough. Uh, yeah. it, it, they asked him to stay on at Bolton and, and he, he kind of said, no, it's, I think you need a fresh start. So um, I had a, a chat with Phil and he just said, listen, Sharon Britton is, is who you need at this football club. She's going to put her arms around it and give, a big, give it a big hug, basically. So I was like, right, okay. She, he said, she is exactly what you need. And he's been 100% correct because she's just brought in a completely different persona to the club it's suddenly a nice place to be. You know, we've had enough of bastards, to be completely honest with you, because uh, we've had a fair few in our time. Um, but we have now got, you know, good people running the club and it kind of filters through and there's suddenly, it's a nice place to be again. It's a good place to work. You go in and everybody's, you know, smiling and happy. There's a bit more of a family kind of feel to the place. And that, you know, it kicked off there. That was a tragic season because Bolton were never going to get past the po- minus 12 points yeah. that year. They were never going to do it. They were always going to go down. So it was a bit of a waste of time. Keith Hill was on a hide into nothing. You know, he had he had one less than one year in charge and, you know, made his own mistakes in that. But um, yeah, it's funny. By the time we'd kind of come round to Boxing Day and the, the goalless draw we got at uh, Stadium Alight, you know, I'm, I'm bumping into Phil Parkinson again and he had you know, this, you know, <laughs> this chorus of boos around every time anybody touched a ball. And I'm like, Phil, bloody hell, you go out of the frying pan into the fire and he sort of he shakes his head and he's like, you know, I just need to get my own people in. And he, he was really adamant that he was going to be able to turn it around by getting people in in January. Obviously, it hasn't worked out that way. And, you know, it's a shame it didn't because I would have loved to have seen him take you guys up and, and get some success. But, um, yeah, that was, a, that was a strange old day. Strange well, old day. One thing that changed as Phil Parkinson left Sunderland I don't think there's too many Sunderland fans, including myself, that were sorry to see him go and parky ball, as we called it. And that very, uh, very dull 5-3-2 formation, um, which is pretty formulaic and and, and sidelining, you know, flair players uh, mm. like McGeady. Didn't go down particularly very well with the fan base. One thing that changed as, as he left, as the new ownership came in, as... Um, Lee Johnson came in was um, the introduction of a sporting director of Christian Speakman and and I can see um, that you've recently been speaking to Chris Markham who's performing a similar role at Bolton and I was interested in the parallels and interested because obviously I've I've, I've heard you speak and I've read your pieces about the style of play and you've just said that the kind of like playing out from the back that football philosophy um, Mm. that's possibly more attractive for, you know, developing players who you can sell up to the Premier League and for loaning players down from the the, the Premier League. And I was interested to, to learn from you what, what Chris had been saying to you and, you know, if it is, you know, being led from him in terms of this, like, philosophy of, of, of playing good football. It's funny because actually when Ian Everett first came in, in, uh, in the summer of 2020, there was a, a, effectively a director of football already in place. And his, his, his name, bizarrely enough, was uh, Tobias Phoenix. Sounds like a Bond villain, doesn't he? Um, so this fella, 
you know, didn't we didn't know a lot about him, and, and to, he didn't really give a lot away. He didn't really do too much press, um, but he was a quite a divisive figure among the Bolton fans. It's fair to say that that Keith Hill, who was the manager at the time, did not get on with him. He then was involved to a greater or lesser extent with the signings that Bolton made that summer when Ian Everett came in. Um, and and it didn't work at first. For the first mm. three or four months, Bolton were tragic. They were terrible. They were 20th in League Two in February this year. So it was only the last few months that it actually came together. Um, and that actually coincided with some good business they did in January and the arrival of Chris Markham. Now, Chris Markham is he's worked at Huddersfield Town. He's worked at the Football Association uh, with the English national team. Um, and I think he's been very good for Bolton. I think he's come in, he's, he knows exactly what he's doing. He, they have got this kind of data-led uh, kind of drive where they, they're trying to sign players based on, um, you know, the, the data they get and that's informing their opinions. It's not making their opinions, but it's it's certainly giving, you know, the, the best possible chance of, of limiting uh, wasted money type of stuff. Um they didn't like me using the term money ball. I've got to be honest mm. when I, when we first started talking about it and I'm steering away from that now because actually the more people I talk to about it, the, the lazier it becomes that you, you sort of mention that, but it's of that ilk that they are trying to sign players for cheap and they are trying to sell, uh, sell them for high. Brentford have done a, a terrific job of that, of course, and now they're in the Premier League. So that is, is really where they try what they're trying to emulate. They're trying to, uh, they've got a Shadow B squad in the same sort of vein and eventually they're going to kind of try and make that a, 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 a bigger part of the club and get the conveyor belt going, um, get the academy going again and, and and you know, be self-sufficient. Now, whether that's a pipe dream or not in football, I don't know, especially if you're going to look to get into the championship, whether you can ever be sustainable in the championship, I don't know. But that's what they're aiming to do, I suppose. I think, again... The Sunderland fans will be listening to this and 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 hearing the parallels between kind of the way that um, Bolton are going about their business, the way that Sunderland are going about their business under the new under the new ownership, and and mm. um, maybe maybe it's a thing in football that these new groups who are coming in to buy football clubs have have learned have learned you can't just kind of um, can't just throw money at it. You can't just sign the 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 pros who've been around the league. For for mm. a few years, you have to you have to be a bit smarter about it, and you have to do things in the right way, and and, and play football in the right way if you're going to get if you're going to get results. Now, so far, the results this season for um, for Bolton have been, I think, mixed is a is a is a really good uh, description. It's won <laughs> three, drawn three, lost two, scored fourteen, which is quite a lot. This is up yeah, there yeah. with the best. Conceded twelve, which is the third worst in the league. So. Yeah. Should we be expecting an open game on Saturday with plenty of um, end-to-end kind of basketball-style football with both teams trying to play beautiful the beautiful game? Guaranteed, guaranteed. It will. It will absolutely. You're never going to get a defensive Bolton team at this point in time. They will attack. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that is to their detriment, maybe. Sometimes I think they are a little bit naive at times and will leave the back door open, but. Um, it's it's great to watch, and they do score goals. They you know they create a lot of chances. You know, look at all these brand new metrics. You've got the the xgs and the the, you know, the x x chances and the x this and the x that. They're right at the top of all the attacking statistics because they you know they they do create good opportunities. Um, they are an attractive team to watch. So yeah, I, I think so far you're right. It has been mixed. They've they've given a couple of points away to be honest. I mean you know they've they've they let. Um, MK Dons back in the game. They've 
they should have beaten Burton Albion at home. Burton put 11 slash 12 players behind the ball, at, you know, on a, on a televised game. That was a bit of a nightmare, really. We know we know about that. We, we had yeah. a, a similar experience and lost lost our best performance of the season. We lost to, to, to Burton. What, well, it, what it is team, about them, they? I don't know. They're just a streaky team. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think they are, they're still getting to grips with League One football in a sense. So they're still learning. You know, a lot of this team, as I mentioned before, are exactly the same team that were playing in League Two. So there's a few players that are learning on the job. Um, but it's been terrific to watch them. And, and the fans have given them a bit more scope. And I think a lot of them appreciate, you know, they're not going to be leading from the front and streaking away with it. But I think over time, and if they can, you know, gradually improve as the season goes on, there's, there's, a, there's a degree of expectation out there that they can be, you know, there or thereabouts at the end of it. Because, you know, there's, there's a lot of continuity there. There's a lot of momentum and a lot of goodwill. Uh, one result that really stood out, um, I think everyone noticed it in the league, was a 5-2 away victory mm. at, at Ipswich Town. Looks on paper like a, a hell of a performance and a, and, a, and a great game of football to watch. I know I heard you on your <laughs> podcast talking about your 12-and-a-half-hour round trip uh, down that <laughs> down that air road that leads out to, uh, <laughs> out to East Anglia. A14, the A14, yeah. God bless it. Now, the, sooner, the, the, sooner they put, the sooner they put Ipswich in uh, the, the, the Air Divisie or whatever it is in Holland, the better. <laughs> You know, let's regionalize. Let's regionalize football and get those guys playing in the Netherlands. That's where they need to be. Well, um, they always used to have Dutch players as well, didn't they? Well, that's because it's a short. Day. It's a, it's shorter <laughs> to get there than it is to to anywhere else. Probably <laughs> shorter to get to Amsterdam. I mean, I, 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 that game was a weird one because Ipswich looked like a team of strangers. I mean, they've made I think it's something like nineteen signings. It's absolutely mad what they've spent. Um, and they hadn't got Morsi in the team at that point in time either. Who I think will make a big difference mm. to them in the end, but. Uh, yeah, they they look like a team of strangers. Uh, it was a, a strange first half, five goals. It was literally the basketball that you described earlier. And then Bolton came out second half and just put put the game to bed and scored a few. And, and you know, Portman Road turned into, uh, you know, a bit of an awkward place for them all of a sudden because the fans were, weren't very happy. But um, I think that will be the blueprint for, for what they try and do at Sunderland, really, because, you know, and there will be expectation at your place. I'm absolutely sure of it. Uh, to, to to beat Bolton at home, and if they can stay in touch and then do the do the same sort of number maybe in the second half as they did on Ipswich, then you know that that would suit Bolton down to the ground. Yeah, I mean, just to talk a little bit more about that game and kind of the aftermath. You see, it got a bit toxic in the in the ground. Mm. Um, a couple of your players received racial abuse on social media. Yeah. It was it Dabo Afalian yeah. and, and and Elias uh, Kachuga? Um, Kachung, both, yeah, yeah. Both got racially abused on, on social media. That's something that's a, a hot topic across across football. I mean within within Rope Report we we're constantly, you know, campaigning for a call on issues of equality and things like that. Um I just wanted to get your your take on it. And and also, you know, what the the club and the fan base and the the media and the fanzines and things around the club have have done in response because you know it's it sounds like you everyone rallied round including Ipswich to be fair yeah no Ipswich were probably first on the scene as far as the the Affiliate stuff that had happened during the game they released a statement whilst I was still you know I don't think I'd even made Northamptonshire by the time I was up the the, the motorway. Um, mm. Yeah, the, the Kachunga stuff happened the kind of the previous Tuesday on on Instagram. That's been reported to the AFL and the police, and that's sort of ongoing. Uh, 
Affleim was was as I say on on the Saturday. But I mean, it's 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 horrible. It's it's social media, isn't it? It gives a very easy target uh, for for some of these footballers and for some of these morons to to suddenly have an opinion that can hurt. Um, the one thing I will say is that Bolton dealt with it very very professionally, and the fans rallied round them. You know, straight away they were brilliant, absolutely fantastic, and you wouldn't expect anything less from them. Football in general, you know, is 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 good at doing that, but it's it's actually how do you prevent it? It's the other end, really, isn't it? Is you know, it, footballers should be allowed to live their lives in the same way as you and I do, and have a Twitter account and and not get abused. It it shouldn't be it shouldn't really be on them to reduce their uh, you know visibility online. It should be on the social media companies for my money to to stop these people having accounts or or you know spawning different accounts and having you know seven. 10 different stabs at it every single time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those. It's very difficult to police. It's very difficult to to come up with an idea that suits everybody. But um, I think something's got to happen because, you know, uh, so, sooner or later, sooner or later, you know, somebody really is going to, you know, suffer from it. And, yeah. uh, and and you don't want it to go that far. Yeah, I mean, we've a lot of Sunderland fans obviously watched the the, the documentary that Anton Ferdinand, one of our yeah, previous uh, players, uh, did the other year, and that I think showed the the kind of the insidious nature of uh, and of the impact of racism on mm-hmm. on footballs and on how it can really destroy their career. I mean, I work for a trade union, and 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 it, these are people working in their workplace, you know, and and to hear that Dapo got abuse in the ground, that that's you know that's absolutely unbelievable really but unfortunately it is something that's reared its head again in the last few years and and the players have obviously been protesting you know showing their protests um in various different ways um i think it's for for football fans as a as a community across clubs to to kind of come together and and say you know it's it's not acceptable in anyone's fan base it's not acceptable in anyone's grounds and uh and we need to we need to stay vigilant about it I think it's mm. it's it's really it's really important that uh, that everyone understands that message. Um, but to take things back, uh, make, lighten things up again a little bit. Although <laughs> you know, it's, there's nothing more important. What do you think the the Bolton Wanderers kind of ambition is this season? Because the way you've been describing it, and and the way that that obviously it's we've we've seen them playing in highlights and stuff. They look like a team that could make the playoffs from from yeah. our perspective, and and I don't think anyone's complacent about the game on Saturday. So, what, has the manager said? You know what 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 his aim is, what his targets are, what the goals that have been set for him are. I mean, Ian Everett is looking to finish first. That's and you know, Bolton fans who listen to this will be nodding along because he's one of these guys who doesn't hide any sort of ambition. He, he aimed, you know. <laughs> I think we, it was the beginning of the last season in League Two. I think we had Bradford City in the first round of the League Cup, and we said, you know, realistically, you know, is this top of your priority? He says, yeah, I want to win it. I'm like, yeah, really? He's uh, just one of these guys. It, it, basically, if you're not in it to win it, what's the point in turning up? And that's, you know, you can call him deluded, you can call him whatever <laughs> you like. That kind of, it spills into the team, and that, that kind of attitude goes through, and they 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 all want to win and and it's it, it suddenly becomes contagious and then it suddenly becomes an attitude that they all show um and it's been good for bolton is the bottom line uh I, I personally think if they could finish top 10 that would be a lovely step forward and then build from there 
of course, if you're finishing top 10, then why can't you go for the playoffs? It's, it's, it's yeah. you know, only a short hop skip. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's not beyond the realms of possibility. I still think they're probably a, a little bit light in the forward areas to to have a, a proper tilt at promotion. But, you know, there's, there's so many teams of similar ilk at the moment in, in League One. I don't see anybody necessarily running away with it. I think it'll be a fairly close fought thing until Christmas. So so maybe we see where we are at that point in time. Yeah, I think um, from from our perspective in the, what is our fourth season in League One, this is probably the highest quality it's been mm. so far and um, most competitive and probably the, the quality of football has gone up across across the board, which is Without which is really it. nice to see. And, and, you know, it bodes well for English football in general that, um, you know, you're getting teams playing out from the back, you're getting really good football played from, from top to bottom in the, in the pyramid and, and that is now becoming the English style in some mm. ways. So finally, we always ask for... Uh, a score prediction. I'm always terrible at it. Although I did, gu- I did guess that our women would would have a score score draw last week, which is which is. <laughs> uh, I'm not a betting man, but if I had a better net, I might, could have won a couple of quid. Um, so we expect you'll um, predict a, a Bolton win. So uh, what do you think the score line is going to be uh, come five o'clock on Saturday afternoon? Well, I am. I mean, seriously, notoriously bad at this sort of thing. So, <laughs> you know, if, if I predict a five nil for Sunderland, then you know, I, I definitely won't be right. But um, no, nah, I think I think a score draw would do me. To be completely honest with you, I've I've been there. Well, God knows how many times now. And I can't remember too many bad results. I can't remember too too many defeats up that way. I do remember one time uh, going there with uh, with Roy Keane in charge at Sunderland. And I think it was, it was a heavy score line. It might have been 4-1, 4-0, 4-1, something like that. And one of the guys, one of the punters comes up to me, must have mistaken me for a Sunderland journalist and had a proper go in my ear. He was like, I hope you're right in this. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I, won't, I won't say the exact words he used, but let's say he had mm-hmm. strong opinions on whether Roy Keane should stay in a job. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I can't remember too many bad memories up there. So I'm going to, I'll err on the side of caution and say a draw, but I've got a sneaky suspicion that it, it, there's going to be goals in there at least. Yeah, I mean the the score that keeps coming into my mind is like something like four two. We we've we've got to, to us, of course, but um, <laughs> we we've just not been putting away our chances, and and we've all been saying to each other, you know, it's got to come at some point, mm. and at one point we're going to start sticking them away. So um, I think we can hear my dog barking in the background. This might That's be a score a good... prediction that you might want to count them. <laughs> Absolutely, it could be a sign, um, but. Um, just um, want to thank you for your time this evening, Mark. No it's been an absolute pleasure. Got uh, a, a bit of a message for the Sunderland fans and for Bolton fans. There's going to be a collection at uh, the Stadium of Light. Uh, well, actually, at the Beacon of Light, which is the, the centre next door to the Stadium of Light, for the Sunderland and Durham Food Bank and the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen, who are our partners at Rock Report, uh, this Saturday from 12 till 3. You can bring a bag of... Uh, food down for the food bank they are looking for some specific things which is um, UHT milk fruit juice um, sponge puddings biscuits jams tinned pies tuna suet pudding canned chilli tinned meats and tinned uh, mixed veg Uh, the food bank and the soup kitchen are amazing charities they do fantastic work they shouldn't have to do what they do (laughs) but they're doing what they do despite everything and they've been doing it all the way through the pandemic and um, us amongst Sunderland fans, and I'm sure it's the same amongst uh, Bolton and, and and other fans around the country. You know, we we all stick together 
and we all try to do our best for the people in our communities. So, um, yeah, that's that's there. There'll be a collection there. I think there might also be little collections elsewhere as well. We'll see. Watch out for that on social media. There'll be plenty of um, information about exactly where to go and, and some more details on that coming out, I think, from the club in the next couple of days. But thanks again, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, good luck for the rest of the season, if not Saturday. No problem at all. But uh, yes, I'll uh, I'll see you up there and uh, hopefully my uh, my my lucky streak continues. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Lara.